0: Uh, All right, we're going to go ahead and try doing it live, even though we're a little bit early. So, um, to everybody who's watching online, thanks. Um, uh, To the rest of you, thanks for showing up. All right. Uh, We're looking at the uh, life of the children of Israel. Uh, We started with Moses. Uh, We started all the way from the point of Moses being born Um, as a child. We are now to the point that Moses has led the children of Israel out of Egypt and, and heading towards a promised land. Uh, Moses, at this point, uh, the children of Israel actually have been um, in, in the wilderness um, out of Egypt for three months. Uh, so they've only had three months of freedom. For up until now, all they knew was bondage and slavery. Now they've had three months of freedom. Um, so... This whole group of people now have to figure out how do we function as a group? How do we function as a society? What, what do we do now? So God meets with Moses and he lays out uh, what we know as the Ten Commandments. Um, the Jews refer to them as the Ten Words. And um, basically what you're going to see in the book of Exodus, and you're also going to see this in Leviticus and, and, and Deuteronomy as well, God's going to take these Ten Words, these Ten Principles, and he's going to build all the rest of the commandments off of these. So it's, it's really important to understand that these commandments are a foundation for us. And as we've talked about it, um, with the idea of a, a, of a foundation, you're going to see that when Jesus comes on the scene, he takes it, the Jews see it at this level, and Jesus takes it to this level. Um, they see it as a purely um, uh, uh, one-way kind of thing, and Jesus got, looks way past the, the outward and, and really starts to deal with the inward. And so that's kind of where we're going with all this. So um, here's what we've walked through so far. He starts out with, I am the Lord, and and the idea is authority. that You have to set up an authority in your life, and God wants to be that authority. Um, He then starts and he says, "Um, you will have no other gods before me. That's the idea of priority. He says, okay, I want to be at the center of it. Use the illustration of that wheel, that Jesus Christ, God is at the center of our lives, and everything in our lives emanate off of that. That's that's the priority that God wants to have. Then he talks about the idea you'll not use the Lord's name in vain. That's the idea of reputation. Where God says, my reputation, I want to be here. Um, I don't want you to do anything that that, that brings my name down, that brings my character down, that that devalues me, if you will. Um, And then he talked about the principle of uh, remembering the Sabbath. And um, he talked about that idea of rhythm, that when God created the world he created the world with a rhythm and we used this illustration on music and we talked about the idea that music has rests and pauses and even our, even in creation we have rests and pauses that's what winter's all about where the earth gets to rest for for a season and we talked about the the significance of the idea that our lives are geared to god designed us to be able to say look once a week you need to unplug You need to have a pause. You need to have a rest. You need to be able to reflect on what God's doing and how God's at work. And then uh, those are the first four commands. They deal with God. And then the last six deal with our relationship to one another. And so he starts by saying, honor your parents. And and the word was honor. Um, And the idea was that you should, um, particularly in regards to your mom and dad, it starts there because really all of your relationships hinge off of that. So this is kind of a pivot point. And it's the idea of, make sure that you do what you need to do to figure out a way to honor your parents, even if your parents were not honorable people. And we, we talked about that. And then last week we talked about the idea of you will not murder, thou shalt not murder. And the idea was, um, it was very, very intentional. It's an intentional act. But that God takes it, Jesus, when he comes on the scene, takes it to another level and says, look, if you have hatred in your heart for somebody, um, it, it, it's murder. It's a murderous heart. And we talked about the idea of our our word was value, and that we have to learn to value every single human being we come in contact with. That God places a value on everyone, regardless of background, color, anything. That God sees us all as one, that every single life matters to God. Every single eyeball you see is somebody that you need to appreciate and value. So we need to be very, very careful about bringing anybody down, about, criticizing about all of those kinds of things where we attack other people, particularly people who are on the opposite side of where we are. And we talked about this, this idea of, of um, where God says, look, you, you just need to hold, uh, hold everybody at that, at that level. And if you have hatred or animosity in your heart towards somebody, you've got to deal with that. You've got to deal with that. So we come this morning the seventh um, commandment. Um, And right at the bat, some of you are going to go, okay, that's no big deal. Some of you are going to go, oh, let's not talk about that. Um, But, um, oh, where are we here? Oh, okay. There we go. Exodus 20, 14, here's what it says. You must not be guilty of adultery. Now, right at the bat, some of you are sitting here going, okay, well, I'm free on that one. No problem there. Okay, wait a minute. Remember, the Jews looked at it here. Jesus always takes it to here. And, and that's what we're going to, and so when we talk about today, we'll deal with this, but we're really going to deal with this, okay? Um, and I think what you'll find is most of us are more guilty of this than we want to want to admit. Um, for some people, this is a really difficult subject because um, you you have been hurt by this um, in, in one way or another. Um, and for some of you, this is where, maybe where you are right now, um, where you're in a relationship that you shouldn't be. So let's talk about it for, as we get it. Let me give you a quick definition specifically because we have a culture that accepts this as the norm, okay? Um, uh, and we minimize it in our culture. We use words like affair, uh, my, uh, my companion, um, living together. You know, we, we, we use all those, those, those terms that kind of make it nice. Um, but specifically, here's what we're talking about. Any sexual relationship, physical or emotion, outside the bonds of marriage, period. That's it. It didn't necessarily be married. It's the idea of anything outside those realms. God said a sexual relationship is man and woman inside the marriage relationship, period. That's what it is. That's how God set it up. That's how God defines it. Um, so the word, the actual word adulterate, means this. It's just simply this idea, to contaminate, to make something unholy. That's what it means. In other words, God said do this, and, and, and you're contaminating what God intended. So the word that we're going to associate with this commandment is the idea of love. And we're going to talk specifically about what it means to love. And again, we're going to take it at all the different levels. So let's run through them real quick. First of all, from a physical, um, from a physical actual physical meaning. Um, you see this in the story of David and Bathsheba, um, uh, where David, a man after God's own heart, decides to put aside his marriage relationship and focus on somebody else. So you see it in that physical context. Um, And, by the way, what happens? There's a terrible price to pay. Um, Because there's consequences. There's always consequences when God says do it this way and we do it another way. So there's the physical world. Um, And again, you know, some people are, that's where some people are, and yet there's other people, the majority of people that, that aren't necessarily. Where I want to talk about is spiritual adultery. Um, because I think that hits most of us where we live. Um, and you go, well, okay, what do you mean spiritual? Adultery. Okay, let me share with you this passage in, Roman, or in Revelation. Um, Revelation is written, the first part of Revelation, there are specific churches that are addressed. There are seven of them. Um, in this particular one, Revelation chapter 2, He's addressing the church at Ephesus. The book of Ephesians was written to the church at Ephesus. So listen to what John says about the church at Ephesus. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not. You found them false. You have persevered, you have endured hardships for my name, you have not grown weary. Great church, right? They're doing all of the right things, right? And, Paul, and and John writes to him, and he goes, Look, I know what you're doing. And you're doing good stuff. And you're hanging in there. And you're plugging away. And everything's going really, really good. Except, notice what he says. Yet I have this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Lampstand was the idea of light. You're a light. People are looking to you. And the idea is, if you're not going to change, if you're going to keep going the way you're going, then I'm going to remove it and put somebody else in your place that people can look up to. That's what he's saying to the church. Um. Notice what he says here, because this is interesting. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Now, this is important. He doesn't say you've lost your first love. He says you've walked away from it. Now, that that gives us some insight to what happens. Because this is what happens if you're not careful spiritually. Go back to when you became a Christian. What was it like? Remember the passion? Remember the commitment? Remember the intensity? Remember the how you couldn't learn enough about God or couldn't get enough as far as you run? Okay, so question it. Where are you now? Have you allowed that love to be replaced by something else? We call that adultery, spiritual adultery. Like you said, it's not that you've lost it, you just left it. And that was his problem with, 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 with Ephesus. He says, look, you guys have got it down to do the right thing. You are doing the right thing. But you don't love God like you used to. You've gotten away from that. And if you don't get back to that, all that's for naught. That's, that's basically what he tells these and, and this, is an, this is an easy place for us to go if we're not careful. And we're going to talk about how you get there and how you get out, okay? So don't, 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 get, all, don't get too nervous yet, all right? Um, there's also what we call emotional um, or mental adultery, I guess if you could call it that. Um, this is what Jesus talks about in the Beatitudes, and here's what he says in Matthew chapter 5. You've heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. We just read that. Next But I tell you that anyone who looks after a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. He said, okay, you know you're not supposed to do this, but when you start, and and by the way, it's guy or girl. So, you know, you could say a woman doing this to a man or a man doing this to a woman. Look after him lustfully has already committed adultery in his heart. He takes it to that level. Notice what he goes on to say. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out, throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than the whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off, throw it away. It's better to lose one part of your body than the whole body go into hell. Now, this is not what he's saying. I'm not saying you look lustfully after a woman, you're going to hell. That's not what he's saying. Okay, He's not saying if you, have a problem, if you have a problem here, gouge your eyes out. If you have an issue here, cut your hands off. This is hyperbole. This is that. first of all, I believe in a literal hell, okay? But often when the Bible uses the term hell um, in in passages like this, what he's talking about is hell was a place of destruction, hell was a place of isolation, hell was a place of ruin, hell was a place of separation. Here's what he's saying. If you go down this road, you're going to destroy yourself. You keep going down this road, it will destroy you. He said, it, it's, it's going to hurt you. If you don't get this right, it's going to destroy your life. You're better off. He said, he said extreme case, you're better off. Stop whatever you got to do to not go down this road. That's what he's saying. And so the whole idea here is, look, you've got to do what you need to do, change what you need to change. So as we look at it, so we've got, we got it in a physical sense, we've got it in an emotional, mental sense, we've got it in a spiritual sense, so as we talk about altruism. So let's talk about how does someone get, go down this path in any one of those areas. Um, I think one of the first things, that, first of all, it's a battle of the mind, okay, get that. It starts, no one, no one goes right from here to here. There's a mental process that goes through that, that somebody happened. Um, basically, what I think starts to happen, and I think biblically you're gonna see this in a minute, um, you start to focus on what you want, on your needs. Um, you start to look at it from the perspective of what you're getting out of a relationship, whether it be with God or whether it be with somebody else or, or, or something else. So all of a sudden, the next thing you know, you're starting to not appreciate that which you have. So all of a sudden, now there's this ungratefulness and there's this, uh, there's this thing of, you know, um, I, I, don't, I don't realize what I, what I actually have. And so what you start to do, is you start to substitute it for something else. You start to allow something else to come in and take the place of that which you really have. In, in a marriage, let me talk about it in a marriage relationship. That's the easiest way to explain it, and then we'll go to, to, a, to a spiritual side. Um, in a marriage relationship, you, you lose sight of, of what marriage is all about. Think about this for a second. Marriage is not about meeting your needs. If that's what you think marriage is, you have a wrong view of marriage. Biblically, God is very, very clear. You know what the goal of marriage is? To meet the needs of my spouse. It's not about me. Go through it, 1 Corinthians 13. You know, how much of that love thing is about you? It's not. It's all about the other person. And what happens in marriage is we start out with that idea of, oh, I'll do anything for them. And then at some point we go, well, wait a minute, what about me? And I've, I've done this long enough, I've watched this long enough to watch people get into situations, particularly in older age, when your spouse can do nothing for you, and yet you continue to love and care and, 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 and be with them to the very end. That's love, that's marriage. Marriage is not about what I'm going to get out of it, because often in marriage what you'll find is there are going to be seasons where you're not going to get anything out of it because it's not about you. It can't be about you. And, and what, what you see so often is you start to step back and you go, you know what, I'm not, my needs aren't being met. I, I, they're not taking care of me. They don't love me like they do. they're they not doing this for me. And they don't do this and they don't do this. And then, and then you become ungrateful for what you have. And then what happens is, and I see this often, you start to develop this fantasy idea. And in some cases, there's another person actually attached. And this is the story. This is the story that I hear. As a pastor, pastor, look, and, and I'm just going gonna, gonna to do it from a guy's perspective because that's, that, 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 that's often the discussion that I have. Some guy goes, you know, it's, it's like this, pastor, you know. I can't, I can't, I've heard this story so many times, just different variations. Well, you know, pastor, you know, she's just not meeting my needs like she used to. Um, you know, um, you know, and you know, the love, the passion, is just not there. And, uh, you know, she doesn't, she doesn't listen to me. She doesn't get me. She's kind of in her own little world with the kids and everything else. And, 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 so I start doing what you do as a pastor. You start poking the bear. And so I start asking questions like, well, just, that, just that curiosity. Is there anybody else involved here? Well, yeah. uh, maybe. Why don't you tell me about that? Well, you know, there, I mean, there is this person I've started texting. And, you know, they, listen, they get me. I mean, they really get me. They understand me. They're far better than my wife does. I mean, this person, they got me. They, they understand me. And, and, and I, I just think that I just need to end this relationship. Because, Pastor, I'm not happy, and I'm miserable. And if I am going to be honest, I probably really never loved her like, like I think that I should have loved her. I don't know that we've ever really been in love. We just kind of, this thing happened, and this happened, and so, you know, I'm just kind of here right now. But I, that person over there, they get me. And I've never in 35-plus years ever had anybody look at me and say, And pastor, I know that if I leave this person and go go with that person, that my life is going to be a hundred times worse. I've never heard that. I've always heard the fantasy version. I will live happily ever after. All of my problems will be solved. Everything's going to be so much better. I've never heard... And, and the reality is, the whole persona that you give, to, all that person knows is the best of you. Just like when you got married, all they knew, you think about it for a minute. Did you know it all up front when you got married? I mean, did you, were there any surprises when you got married? Yes! You know, it's like, you know, this person doesn't do this, and this person doesn't do that. Yeah, that's the reality, but that person doesn't know anything. So it's like this idea of, well, if I go over there, everything's going to be so much better. And God says, "Don't go there," and the reason you don't go there is because God knows that's not reality; that's fantasy world. And when you go down that road, it will destroy you, and it will have implications that you do not and cannot comprehend with your children, your grandchildren, and family members, everybody down the line. And I have heard it so many times, and 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 unfortunately, as a pastor, what you do is you just sit back, you wait for the nuclear explosion to hit. You wait till the thing blows up and there are bodies everywhere. And you have to go in and try to figure out and, and do triage to try to piece together what you can salvage out of it because you blew it up. And you go, how in the world do you do that? I, you know, honestly, I, it's a good thing I'm a Christian. Because honestly, I'd slap people silly if I could. You know? It's everything I do to not do that. It's like, don't you understand what you're doing? Because I see it. I see it over and over and over again. And then, and and so, when we talk about this, you know, I I hate to see it that way. (laughs) I hate to see what's happening right now in in church. Because I'm seeing this happen in church. um, With this whole online thing. So let me, let me since we're online now and I got to preference all this. So, so let me explain to you this. There are people who are watching online who need to be online. Okay. And I'm, I'm thrilled that they're online. Um, I am, I, I would love to tell you that I'm super excited about this online thing, but it's a mixed bag for me. Okay. First of all, here's what I'm excited about. Okay. Um, this morning, for instance, um, um, you know, Brian, uh, you, some of you know Brian who comes and usually on holidays and we, Brian's here and it's a big deal. Brian loves loves, loves being here. Um, and he doesn't get here very often. When he does he just loves being here. Um, uh, I got a, a, an email from his sister this week and she said hey look I just thought I'd let you know. She said we got, we got Brian a tablet so he can watch the service now on Sunday mornings. Now he gets to see it every week. So I hey, had Brian. Um, so I uh, I I am thrilled for stuff like that. My mom gets to watch me, so I have to, so I can't use mom illustrations anymore. But, um, you know, I'm thrilled about stuff like that. Um, We have a whole group of people who would love to be here but can't. And we we had one family, they were actually calving, and they were in the barn with their cell phone watching the service. I love stuff like that. That is awesome that we can do that. And then we have a whole group of people outside of our community who get to watch. I, I love that. Now, the idea that, that I am on the, I mean, my wife this morning, my wife was watching with her mom in Virginia. Um, and, and I love that kind of thing. So love you, babe, Tuesday night. Um, <laughs> glad to have you home. But anyway, so that kind of stuff is awesome. Okay, that kind of stuff is awesome. Um, But here's the downside to it. Um, You begin to think, if you're not careful, that church is all about the preaching. And it's all about what you get from the message. It becomes that self-centered mentality that we were talking about that happens in marriage. You start to forget that church is about so much more than just a message. It's about praying together. It's about worshiping together. It's about communion together. It's about encouraging together. It's about building each other up. It's about being an example. Um, my wife posted this um, a week or so ago. This, this this is the kind of thing that you're not going to get online um, because my uh, because Aaron is in healthcare and. Um, uh, with the, the whole COVID thing. And they hadn't come for a long time until they got more comfortable with it and got a little bit further past it. Two weeks ago, they're in church, okay, with um, Claire sitting next to her grandmother, Nana. Now, Jean always, for years, has taken notes in church, now, which is an awesome concept, okay? Um, I'm not sure if she's taking it for her or to hold it against me later, but that's another issue, Um, That's another issue. But anyway, Claire is learning her letters. But you know what? She watched her Nana do this and started to think, this is what you have to do on Sunday. You have to take notes. This is what we're talking about. This is the kind of thing when we start talking about church and we start talking about fellowship and we start having younger people interacting with older people and all of those kinds of things that's what it's about that's what it's about is checking in with these kids loving each other praying for each other talking about each other that's church and we have to we have to remember that yes does this online church be a need yes am i thrilled for it yes do i like it no you know i mean i have to actually pay attention to what i'm wearing now because people see it everywhere Um, I have to think about stuff I've never had to think about before. Like I can only move so far, um, or so fast. Uh, but again, what happens is spiritually, this is what happens. You start to, if you're not careful, think that it's all about you and your, and, and you getting a message and you getting fed. And I work hard. I want to make sure you're fed spiritually. But the whole purpose is for us to encourage and help each other. That's what we're, that, that's the idea of the concept of the church. That's the idea of Christianity. That's the idea that God has in his people gathering to be able to do that. And if you're not careful, what happens is even in something as great as the online thing, we can slide into that really, really easy. Where all of a sudden now it's about, I'm going to do, I'm going to stay home because it's convenient. That's a dangerous, that's a dangerous road to go down. Because before you know it, your Christianity becomes a Christianity of convenience. And we would call that spiritual adultery. Because that love, that passion for being together with God's people isn't there anymore. And that, that, like I say, this stuff is subtle. This stuff is so, 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 so subtle. So, all right, so how do you fix it? Um, here you go. Um, Revelation 2. Notice what he says. You have forsaken the love you had at first. You've gotten away from that first love. Whether it be a spouse, whether it be God, whether it be, you've gotten away from it. So, how do you fix it? Okay? Notice what he said. Consider how far you've fallen. First thing you've got to do is you've got to remember what it was like at the beginning. Go back to the beginning. What was it like? When you became a Christian, what was it like? How often did you want to get to church? How often did you want to read your Bible? How often did you want to pray? How often did you look forward to talking to other Christians or other people who could help you and encourage you? Remember those days? For those of you struggling in your marriage, question. What was it like before you got married? Do you remember those days? Some of you are going, Pastor, that was like 50 plus years ago. You know, I'm happy if I can remember what I had for breakfast today. Um, I, I, okay, let's go back and talk about it. It, you remember, there was a passion. Remember that? You couldn't wait to see that person. You couldn't wait to, to, to be together with that person. Remember that? Um, there was an investment. You would do anything to go and be with them. And crazy stuff. You know, you drive sometimes hours. I remember my wife. Um, my wife is, is, is older than I am. Um, She graduated college a year before I am. She's gone. I can say this. I'll get. I'll pay for it Tuesday night. But other than that, (laughs) she get out the plane. That's the first thing she'll do. You know. I heard what you said. Um. uh, But I mean, so I remember she was a year ahead of me. So she had gone out and she was teaching. She came back to visit me at college. Caught a ride to get to college. Um. It was about seven hours away. She got had a weekend, so she zoomed down there and zoomed back. And and I thought, okay, good. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take her out. We weren't engaged at the time. We were just dating, but we knew we were probably going to get married. So anyway, I took her out. I was a poor college student. Okay, I I mean, I was a poor college student. Um, And so I gathered up all of my laundry change that I had to take her out to eat. Okay, And so she comes, she sees me, and I got a pocket like this. Full of quarters, nickels, and dimes. And she looks at me, and she's she's like, what in the world? I went, I I, I got my, for for lunch, for dinner, you know, to go out to eat. And she's like, I will take care of it. Go put your laundry money back, okay? Because she was teaching. I was still a college student. But you know what? It didn't matter. If it meant I didn't have to do laundry so I could go out with her, then that's fine with me. If it meant I showed up with a whole lot of quarters and nickels and dimes, that was okay with me because I wanted to do something special for her. remember those days? I mean, you, you know, you, re, you, you remember that. You know how much you spent on that ring? Um, yeah, exactly. There you go. There. You, I mean, why? Because, you know, we do that kind of stuff. Why? Because we're in love with that person. And, and, and we'll invest whatever we need to invest in order to do it. Um, you know, there, there was an intensity with it. There was a There was this deal of, I just, we just got to be together. Remember that? Here's what he says. Go back to remember that kind of stuff. Go back to those, go back to remembering what it was like at the beginning. You're struggling spiritually right now? Go back to remember what it was like at the beginning. Remember that. That's where you start. You got to know what you had at the beginning. Because there was something that attracted you to each other. There was something you had. That's why you got together. So remember what that was. Go back to that. That's where you start. Then notice what he says next. Repent. Now don't get all hung up on that word. Here's repentance. All repentance is is a change of direction. That's all it is. So here's the idea. I go this. That's repentance. Repentance you got to say repentance, you turn around. Exactly. You turn around and go a different direction. You're heading in direction right now. He's already told you, this is not going to end well. You've replaced your love for God with, with things or time or kids or whatever else. You've, you, you, you've you kind of left it, pushed it aside, replaced it with something else. You've replaced your love for your spouse with your kids or your job or your career or your money or your things. So, so stop it. And head the other direction. Change it. And then notice what he said. Um, And do the things you did at first. Go back to doing what you did at the beginning. Go back and start back where you started again. Go back and do some of those things again. I'm fortunate. I had somebody drill this into my head to date my wife. I drill it into every couple that I counsel for marriage. Continue to date. Your spouse. We got little kids. Date your spouse. Hire a babysitter. Develop your relationship because one day your kids are going to be gone and it's going to be you guys in the house. Make sure you still have a relationship at that point. And I'm telling you right now, as somebody who's in that point, I love, I love being with my family, but I love it when they leave and it's just Jean and I. Because we like being together we like being in a relationship. And the reason we like being in a relationship is because when my kids were five, six, seven, eight, we hired a babysitter and we went out. We invested in it. I dated her before we got married. I continued to date her. I still continue to date her. You know, I've been wanting to go up to Iowa barbecue the whole time she's been gone. I'm thinking, I can't go without her. So, you know, I mean, if her plane didn't get in 11 o'clock on Tuesday night, we'd be going back up to Lamar's. So I'm going to say, hey, honey, we're going out to Iowa barbecue one night this week. You know, and I say that because, look, we get away from this stuff. Same thing with God. Go back to you had a daily devotion time when you became a Christian that that you were passionate about, get back to it. You made sure that you weren't going to mess a Sunday, whether it was online or whatever else, then get back to it. Go back and do the things that you were doing when the whole thing started. That's what he's talking about. He said that's how you get back to this idea, because if you don't, it is too easy to go down this road. It's just way too easy for it. So start taking the steps. Go back and doing what you have to do. So look, the command specifically is about adultery. It's really about love. In fact, when Jesus talks about all the commandments, he's going to sum it up by saying, You love God with everything you got. And you love other people, value them, like we talked about last week. You value everybody. You, you, that, 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 it's, so, so, it's so simple, but it's so compact in how he says it. It's the greatest commandment love God with your whole heart. So, now let's talk about this issue of adultery. For some of you, it may be emotional, mental, um, and that can that can manifest itself in all kinds of ways. Um, can manifest it, you know, everything from um, you have substituted God for something else, and you love your things more than you love God. You love maybe your in some situations your kids, um, in some situations your family, um, in some situations. Um, you know, it's, it's a pornography issue where you've substituted fantasy for reality. Um, in some situations, it's a, it's, a, it's a mental thing where you think that other person is going to meet those needs, and that's a fantasy world. Um, that mental-emotional thing is so, so important because this is where the battles start, spiritually. Some of you, look, you'll be honest. And again, have a realistic idea here. The spiritual life is not one of these things that's always up. Okay? Um, if, if you want a good picture of the spiritual life, read the book of Psalm. You come to Psalm 119, and, and the uh, longest chapter in all of the Bible, it has all of these verses about the Word of God and how much David loves it, and it's a light to my path, and a lamp unto my feet, and blah, blah, blah. Well, that's Psalm nineteen, But um, he goes through all this stuff. And he talks about the Word of God over and over and over and over again. And then you read other passages of Psalms, you know what he says? The word of God tastes like dirt. It's dry. I'm not getting anything from it. Because the spiritual life is, it, it is. It's, it, it's, it's not one of these all roses and rainbows. But if you've gotten to the point where there's no height, there's no depth to it or whatever else, and you've gotten away from it, get back. Go back to doing some of those things you did before. You know, go get you a, a devotional. Go get you something. Go back. Stop where you're headed. Change your direction and get back. And for some of us, I think that's, that's really kind of the real challenge for us because I think that's where a lot of us, honestly, we struggle. And then you add to it what we're up against in our culture right now. You know, when was the last time you saw something encouraging on the media? You know, I mean, I, honestly, I'm on the point. I just, I, the news, i just not watching it anymore. I mean, it's all the same thing over and over and over again. And honestly, it's depressing. And in fact, some of the news people are starting to realize that and they're trying to put on encouraging things, you know. So they give you this two-minute encouraging clip and 28 minutes of, you know, woe is me. Um, and, And, you know, it's just overwhelming. So go somewhere where you can encourage your heart. You know, let God's Word do that. So if you're headed down this road, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, Remember where you started. Change the direction. Go back to the beginning and start over again. And allow God to use that in your life. And let's not, again, he didn't lose the first love. He left it. That's the difference. It's still there. Even, you, my, you don't understand how far gone my marriage is. No, 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 no. There's something that started that love. It's still there. You're just going to have to work harder to find it. Because you've gotten so far down the road now. And I just want to encourage you, because I see this so often. And again, all the way across the board, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically. And God sets it up to say, don't go down this road for a reason. Because he knows it doesn't end well. And it's not the way he intended us to live life. So I end with this. God reminds us that adultery, contaminated love, is not part of his plan for our lives. It's a poor substitute for life as God intended. We cannot commit physical, emotional, mental, or spiritual adultery by loving the wrong thing or the wrong person. When we find our hearts wanting to go in that direction, we've got to remember, repent, and return to the path that God has for us. We've got to love God with our whole Let's pray. Lord, help us. Lord, it is so easy to go down a road where we substitute what you intended for us with something else. So help us not to do that. For those that are struggling here. Lord, would you help them to stop, to remember what they had, to get back to that which they had. For those who are pursuing this... uh, thing or this person or this unrealistic fantasy world lord would you open their eyes to help them to see that lord that's not the way it works and lord you have given us these instructions for a reason so help us to apply it lord for our time this week may we encourage other people may we grow closer to you this week as a result of what we do this week and what we hear this morning and we'll give you the honor and glory and praise these things we ask in your name amen Um, Let's stand together. We're going to sing God Will Make a Way. Let's stand together as we sing.